Bibles open, please, to Romans chapter 1. The righteous wrath of God and his amazing grace. That passage has been read. Let's pray, and we will look at it together. Father, once again, we come to the throne of grace, and we just ask that you would open our minds and our hearts to these sacred verses from your word. Make application to every believer. Make application to those who are outside of Christ. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. It is said that there was a young man who applied for a job to deliver telegrams. But he said, I want it to be understood that I cannot tolerate anything other than happiness and good news. And so I will deliver telegrams of fortunes made, healthy babies born, congratulations for success. But I will not deliver death notices, reports of loss, failure, or war. He was not hired. The man that the manager was looking for had to be willing to deliver all messages that he was given and without alteration or delay. All over America this morning, people are gathered in churches hoping for promises about health and wealth and happiness and peace on earth. Those are all good things. But we live in a fallen world. And there are some other messages. Also, we live in a world where we cannot pick and choose when it comes to the character of God. It is not an ugly thing or a bad thing to reveal the truth of Scripture that God is revealed as a God of wrath. Yes, he's a God of love. Yes, he's a God of grace. But he's a God of wrath. The counsel of God in Romans not only unfolds God's gospel of amazing grace, but unfolds the righteousness of God, the wrath of God. Look at verse 18. And let's be honest for a moment. Have we ever been terrified by the righteousness of God? Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever felt uncomfortable about someone who was righteous and you knew you were not? Not quite the same, but... You were in class and you knew you failed. But Susie Q sitting over here, you you figured she made 100. That's going to ruin the curve and the grading. And so everybody in the class loves Susie because she ruined the curve. No, uncomfortable. We should be terrified to know that we will have to stand before holy God 
the righteous judge. The Bible is clear from Genesis to Revelation that God hates sin and that God punishes sinners. God does not take sin lightly. His righteous demands, his righteousness demands that he pour out his wrath against unrepentant sinners. It's not really astonishing or stunning that the God who is righteous judges and gives justice. Really? I mean, we shouldn't be surprised. If you were in a courtroom and you're looking at the judge, you hope he is a righteous and a just judge. He can't be bought off. Almighty God is righteous and holy, and he gives justice to hell-deserving sinners. And he gives mercy to hell-deserving sinners. Grace. Here is the great wonder in verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God Revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. God, in his infinite love and mercy and compassion, has found a way for the unrighteous to be made righteous. Are you a Christian this morning? You're righteous. I can't just leave it there. You know the truth, don't you? You're clothed in his righteousness. You're clothed in the Lord Jesus Christ's perfect righteousness. And you can therefore come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. That's the heart of the gospel. The sinner can have the righteousness of God. God's own righteousness is freely given. All of our attempts at righteousness is referred to as filthy rags. God alone can give sinners his own righteousness, which enables us to withstand his judgment. A very famous man in history by the name of Martin Luther testified that when he made that discovery, that he could stand before holy God dressed in the righteousness of his son by faith. He said, the doors of paradise swung open and I walked through. I hope that'll be your experience today if it's not already. That you will see your sin, that you will see your helplessness, your hopelessness, that you cannot save yourself. You can never be good enough But Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Now, in verse 17, there was this great good news about the just living by faith and the whole concept of being clothed in the righteousness of God. In in verse 18, there seems to be a sudden shift from that good news to what we might feel is unwelcome news in verse 18 
for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold, who suppress, who hold down, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. This is unwelcome news to the lost person who is embracing their sin. This is the utter bad news of the sinfulness of all men. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In fact, this message of the bad news of the justice and the holy wrath of God is not just stated in verse 18, but it goes all the way through chapter 3, verse 20, hitting it from every angle, from those who are religious, from those who are not religious, showing the debauchery and the depths to which sinful men go in their denial and hatred of God. All of these verses reveal to us the necessity of the gospel. Why was it so vital that the Son of Man come to Bethlehem's manger, to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, to go to the cross, to pay the sinner's sin debt, to be raised from the dead? Why is that so vital? Because God is righteous and we are not. And God, who is righteous, cannot save the unrighteous unless his righteous demands are met. He's not being ornery or unkind. He's being holy. The angels in heaven cry out, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. I just want to think about God as a God of love. If your God is just a God of love, your God is a God of your imagination, is an idol of your own creation. The true and living God is all of this. Yes, he is love. Yes, he is holy. He is righteous. He is a God of wrath. And he's a God of mercy. He's found a way at his own expense at the expense of his own son to welcome the unrighteous who come crying out like the publican of old, God be merciful to me, a sinner. So no wonder Paul testifies in these verses, I'm a debtor. He's now a believer. He's now been born again. He says, I'm a debtor. Once you have Christ, once you have your sins forgiven, once you're awed, at the holiness, uh, holiness and the wrath of God and, and you've been set free from that by his mercy and his grace. Isn't there a little bit, an ounce of gratitude? Paul says, I'm a debtor. Now when we have debt, that's a bad thing. Oh, the bill's due tomorrow. This is not that kind of debt. This is a debt of gratitude. This is something you want to pay. In view of God's mercies to me, I want to extend that mercy. Even as God has forgiven me, I want to forgive others in the same manner. It's an overflow. He says, I'm a debtor. I'm, I'm ready. I'm not ashamed. Why? Because I have good news. The good news that the righteous, holy wrath of God has been met at Calvary. 
good news because of the wrath of God that is righteously upon the human race. All men and women are born under this holy wrath and in danger of perishing. But Jesus came and paid the sin debt for sinners. But we're never gripped with that. There are people sitting in pews and people who read their Bible and go to Sunday school and and people who are out fishing and golfing and doing whatever and they have no compelling feeling in their soul about being a sinner. Better than so-and-so. Better than half the hypocrites at church. We always measure ourselves by those that we think are less than ourselves. But when we open the word of God and we find the one who is holy, holy, holy. And he came down and his son lived a holy life, a sinless life. And he willingly laid down his life for sinners. That should grip us. If we're not gripped with this, here's what happens. Well, if, if man does need salvation, God owes it to him. You'll not treasure, you'll not value the gospel. You'll not value what Jesus did at Calvary. Unless you're convinced that you're a sinner without hope and without God and all of your righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Unless you are awakened to the just and holy wrath of God. God reveals this all the way through the Bible, starting in the Garden of Eden. He warned. This is the way it is. You break my law and there's death. When's the last time you faced death in your family or in your world? Or you saw the papers and you pulled aside from the ugliness of the current event and who is doing what to who. And you realize that the root of all of this is man's rebellion against God. And God kept his word. He always keeps his word. God's wrath was revealed at the flood. God's wrath was revealed at Sodom and Gomorrah. God's wrath was revealed in its strongest way. Not in Noah's day. Not at Sodom. But on Calvary. Where the sinless son of God took upon himself, willingly took upon himself our sin. And the father poured out on him the wrath we deserved. Jesus had to cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But God's wrath is also today. In Romans chapter 1, is very plain about this. In fact, in verse 24, 26, and 28, there is just a a downward, downward, downward into the deep pits of sin and the consequences and the ramifications of sin. And there comes a place in a nation's life. There comes a place in an individual's life where, where God says, okay, you want to sin? The restraints are off. 
We're living in a culture where the restraints are off. If you've lived as long as I have, you've seen an incredible transformation in our world, not just in America, but in our world, where things that used to, in our earlier generation, was only on the surface and the small groups here, but the whole world is in demise, in hatred of God, in hatred of his ways. And God just says, I'm, I'm giving you over to what you've wanted. And then you turn to the book of Revelation, and time and time and time again throughout the book of Revelation, we find the wrath of God being revealed. And one of the most astounding places is that the wrath of God is being poured out on the unrepentant in the presence of the Lamb. So the wrath of God has been, is here, is coming. And therefore, we must be gospel-focused. The Apostle Paul, understanding the wrath of God, was gospel-focused. He was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he knew that every person he met had a problem, the same problem he had. He was religious, but he was dead in sin. He needed the gospel. So it's because... It is God's gospel. It's because it is God's power. It's because it is a revelation of the righteousness from God and of God. The gospel of Christ is the good news of God's own righteousness being given to sinners. You're not just forgiven. I hate the bumper sticker says, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. What do you mean just forgiven? Just forgiven? It's the most astounding thing on the earth that God would forgive the likes of me and that God would not only forgive my sin but make me his child, conform me to the image of Christ, uh, give me himself. The only gospel, only the gospel, only the gospel of Jesus Christ and set you free from the holy wrath of God. Some of you are intelligent and smart, and you've not forgotten when you went to school. I don't know much about David Henry Thoreau, but it seems like we had to learn something about him in English or somewhere. Any of you knew, know that name? A few of you know the name. Whether you know it or not, he was asked, had he made his peace with God? And Henry David Thoreau said, I never had a quarrel with God. He wasn't trying to be funny. That's where he was. In his mind, he's a good man. He does good things. He's not a sinner. Why should God be angry with him? I don't have a quarrel with God. God has a quarrel with everybody. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Romans 3.23, which we often quote, 
I'd like to start with the last phrase of verse 22. For there is no difference. Take each one of us. Take the ugliest, wickedest, baddest, most depraved person that you can think of on the face of the earth and line us all up and we're all, there is no difference. But we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Only the blood of Jesus can satisfy God's holy wrath. And so, until you see and feel and believe this, you will not value the gospel. But when you do, when you own up to your sin, when you own up that you are a sinner without hope and without God, your testimony, you might not put it in these exact words, but when I give these words, you'll say, Amen. That's my That's where I am by the grace of God. I became overwhelmed with the burden of my sin. I realized I was under the wrath of God. Jesus was revealed to me as the only Savior. And I fled to him for his righteousness, for his protection, for his forgiveness. I'm trusting him. The hymn writer has it good. In my hands, nothing I bring. Only to Jesus and his cross I cling. In verse 18 and 21, we see the focus of God's wrath is aimed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. The problem with sin is ungodliness. There is a failure to reverence and to honor God. The problem of sin is unrighteousness. The deeds uh, that we do that disregard God's holy law. I want to spend a few minutes before we close on something that I hope that will be of special help to you who are in Christ. You say, I'm a Christian, so why, why should I Meditate upon the holy wrath of God. Are you a Christian? Why should you? Should you? Yes, for several reasons. Here's one. That we may be duly impressed with God's hatred of sin. Are you in a battle against sin? Study the nature, the character of God. Study his holiness. Study his righteous indignation against sin. Go through the scriptures and look time and time again. God is never compromised with sin. He brings judgment on sin. It is good for the Christian to be duly impressed with God's hatred of sin. Not the sin out there. Oh, I find a lot of Christians. Oh, you won't believe how bad these people are and these people are. I can't believe what people are doing today. Get a mirror up and say, oh, Lord God, what have I done today? What have I thought today? Where was my mind today? Secondly, we need to focus on the wrath of God so that we might develop in our souls a holy fear of God. And so that we might be moved to praise him that in his mercy he has saved all of his saints from past, present, and future wrath. Now, 
Noah was affected as God poured out his wrath upon a whole world. But he was not the target of it. And he was saved through it. But the wrath was not on him. And no matter how you slice out end time prophecies, there will be those who are referred to at times as tribulation saints. At times where people like to point out that there's just going to be nothing but the wrath of God. Well, that's not exactly true. The wrath of man is going to be in high gear. The wrath of Satan is going to be in high gear upon those who are believers on the earth at that time. And the wrath of God is going to be in high gear, but those believers will not be touched by the wrath of God. Affected by living in that time? Yes. And so are we even today. Another reason you and I should be moved to study and to be impressed and, and not let this get too far away from us in our thinking, the wrath of God. We should be moved to warn sinners. If, if you don't know that there's a danger, you don't warn people of the danger. The Apostle Paul would say, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We're not very exercised to give the gospel to the lost because we're not very exercised that people are on the wrath of God and they're one heartbeat away from an eternity in hell. It's not pleasing to the Lord for me to be so laissez-faire and so nonchalant and so uncaring about the loss in our world. I hear too many Christians who are quite willing to condemn the loss. Oh, they're bad, they're bad, they're bad. Rather than saying, oh, Lord God, but for the grace of God, there I am. And God, you've saved other sinners just as bad or worse. Open my hearts of compassion to be amazed at your grace. The gospel saves sinners. We need to be about the business of being motivated not only by the love of God, but by the holy wrath of God. Here's another reason to be impressed and focused upon the biblical truth of the wrath of God. I suspect very few of you have escaped the dungeons of resentment and bitterness. People have wronged you and gotten away with it. Or at least you think they have. When you understand the biblical truth of the holy, just wrath of God, you don't get away with nothing. It's coming a settling up day. God says in Romans 12, vengeance is mine, I will repay. No one gets away. Judgment will be served. Every person will receive mercy or judgment. And so, some of us need to do some repenting. Some of us need to open up our hands and let go of those resentments and those bitternesses. We need to forgive, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. So there are a lot of wonderful, powerful reasons to be focused on having studies and, 
and em embracing the incredible truth of the holy, just wrath of God. And as we close, I'll just state again, to those who are without Christ, the lost sinner. There's a lot of things that you can do in this world. A lot of things on your plate. But there's nothing more important than to flee the wrath of God to come and come to Jesus. And like that publican, you don't have to have fancy words. There just has to be conviction in your heart. I'm a sinner without hope and without God. And that man, he's not like the religious man over there praying, I'm better than this one, I'm better than that one, and I tithe, and I do this, and I do that. That prayer didn't go anywhere. And this publican, this tax collector, this hated tax collector, somehow by the grace of God, God had shown him Jesus and had shown him his sin, and he said, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Would you, from your heart of hearts, before you leave this building, if this is the need of your heart, do that. I, I'm not begging you to do that. I, I'm not trying to get some statistic. I'm giving you the word of God. This is not a plea from a helpless God. This is the command of Almighty God. God has repent. God has been merciful, but he commands people everywhere now to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Flee from the wrath of God. Run to Christ. Our Father, these are heavy things and yet they're glorious. It's awesome to think about the sinfulness of our world and especially of our own hearts. Glorious to realize that there is a solution. The mercy of God found in Jesus Christ. Help us, O oh Father, not to run from the biblical truth of the holiness of God and the righteousness of God and the wrath of God. These are glorious manifestations of who you are. And they serve us well as believers. And they are the great a portion of the great message that every lost person needs. And every person here today either is abiding under the wrath of God or resting in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Work in every heart, and we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name.